Good day and welcome to The Effect Podcast, episode 163, Blood and Beasts. I'm Dave, as usual. And and I'm Matthew. Um, as usual was something you added in there, that threw I me did. a little bit. I just, I just felt like riffing a little bit at the start of this episode. I was going to riff, riff a bit differently, but then I, I kind of lost it halfway through. Um, something yeah, about but you, you said being, as, as usual, which is entirely unusual. So, you know, it's, it's even well, a lie. I'm usually Dave, aren't I? So, as usual, yes, yeah. it's Dave. But then I was all ready to come in afterwards with, and I'm Matthew, and, and I can't do that now, because you went as usual. <laughs> anyway. And what's... extraordinarily, I'm Matthew. <laughs> and we've got uh, an exciting episode for you today. Uh, obviously, as you're listening to this, you will be aware that the Blood and Beast. Uh, sorry, no. Blood and Beast is the name of our episode. What's it called? <laughs> uh, the The Book of Beasts and Blood March uh, Kickstarter is currently on, and um, it caught us a little bit by surprise. But we have got an interview with Eric Grandstrom we have. later on today. Indeed. Before that, though, uh, we've got some World of Gaming news. Um, now we haven't got any new patrons this week, Dave, because. We're recording this actually a week early. Was oh, that because? Yeah, I thought you were like because because nobody loves us. Uh, well, no, lots <laughs> of people love us, they and do. in fact, you know, we did get two new patrons um, in the last uh, few weeks. But hey. um, yeah, but uh, but n- nobody we have to say hello and thank you to in okay. this episode. I bet you though, one will turn up over the next week and then be listening to this episode now, going. But it's it's Friday. Where's my mention? But it's coming. If you did, <laughs> yes. it's coming. Yeah, indeed. Um, so, uh, World of Gaming, we've got some World of Gaming news, and and then we've got the interview, and that's about it. Unless you've got anything else you want to add, Dave? Uh, no, not really, I don't think. Um, it's uh, This has been a, one of those weeks, because we're having to yeah. record this slightly We're talking post-UK Games Expo. Because you're going on holiday. Uh, it's yeah. also the week after UK Games Expo, where we're probably both still a little bit frazzled from that. And then I had I the so I had the great tired. pleasure of going to the second day of the first test match between England and India yesterday, and I had a shit journey home today. Um, yeah. Roadworks got me stuck in the middle of Nottingham for about an hour. Then I had a flat tire. Then Roadworks coming out of Nottingham sent me the wrong way for the diversion to the way I wanted to go. And then there was more Roadworks, and I sat in the traffic for that for half an hour. And so yeah. Rant over. Right, so um, <laughs> you're never going to Nottingham again. Is this the conclusion we can draw? I might I might find somewhere else to park in Nottingham next time because I was right, right in the centre, right. which is really convenient um, for the cricket and for the hotel and all that. Uh, but Nottingham City Centre as a place to drive round is a shithole. It's got some nice no, pubs, actually. Okay. We, had a, we, had a, we, went, we went for a really Welcome lovely... Welcome to our <laughs> listeners in Nottingham. <laughs> well, to, I think to drive round it, Nottingham is a shithole. Uh, but actually, Nottingham itself, when you get off that bloody road, is really, is, it's got some lovely bits. And we, we ended up in a fabulous pub. I'm very sad I can't remember the name of it, but it was a, it was a little microbrewery pub and had a couple of pints of their local brew called Endless Summer, which is a lovely, light, citrusy beer, which is just what I needed after a huge Indian meal at the excellent Anoki restaurant. 
and we're not getting any oh, excellent we're not getting any commission for this but it was jolly fabulous. good are you getting five stars on TripAdvisor though um if i ever went on TripAdvisor, it probably would yes you would be an excellent reviewer okay <laughs> anyway. um, well that's good to know i um it does prompt me to complain about the beer in birmingham at the uk games expo i you know we drank quite a lot of beer of an evening and yet not one single decent pint in my opinion no that's true uh, yeah i yeah why the be- can't the beer in the hotel hotels and was, convention centers no have good. at least one decent barrel brewed beer not with yeah. bloody nitro keg stuff yeah Ugh. okay because, over. well um, it's because they are tendering to an audience uh a clientele that doesn't get on their high horse about beer, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. And but I do, like drink... and I'm part of that clientele. Well, only only infrequently. You're not in those bars every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday nights, are you? Well, like, obviously not. Like, I no, guess a lot of those people decent are. beer. Um, but it's a fair comment. It's a fair comment. We had a great time. I, yeah, um, yeah. We well, last week's episode, I guess told everybody all they wanted to know about us and UK Games Expo and possibly a mite more. Oh, did you <laughs> did you listen to last week's episode after we discussed it? No, you didn't. Did <laughs> Why don't you? I listen to my own episode? Is, well, isn't, isn't it there for others to listen to rather than for me to it, listen it is, to? Yeah, but it's rather an interesting one. I thought as I was editing it that actually, um, you know, that I, I was able to edit all sorts of things in there that you may not know about. Uh, well, I haven't. There is always you that risk. You can trust me. There is always that risk. But then there's always that risk that I then find out about it and get very angry with you, of course. Yeah, but that's always, that's always good for a laugh. There's nothing better <laughs> than Andy Gray. That's uh, why I spend most of my time trying to wind you up. Um, <laughs> bring, hey. coming, which, which brings us neatly in a, in a segue that nobody here is going to get us to the world of gaming. Oh. You know, including me. Yeah, so, no, no. So, what's um, angering me about the game of the game of worlding, the world of no, gaming? No, no, no. Things I could I could wind you up with. Um, but oh, let's I see start what you mean. Off. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to wind me up about that because then I will get angry. <laughs> uh, Flying Buffalo is an ancient, ancient game. Back in the days when you and I were starting, well, no, you weren't even there, mate. You were Tony's little brother, and you weren't sitting at our table because you weren't, frankly, mature enough. I'm still waiting for that to happen. Um, Hang on. Any, you know, if the if the acceptance criteria for the Highfield War Game Club was maturity, then none of us would have been in it. Frankly, now this is pre Highfield War Games Club. Right, this okay. is when we were in the the new dining hall, as it was uh, known. Yeah, yeah. In, at Richard Hale, um, which we'd do of a Wednesday evening or some such, and we'd be there and play games. And at least one person would play tunnels and would run. Obviously. He wouldn't play. well actually you could play tunnels and trolls on your own. So bad play it on his own. But um no, he'd run tunnels and trolls for a group of people. Um I think I only played it once. Why are we talking about you tunnels know. and trolls? Because Flying, Flying Buffalo has been bought by Web Sphere. So Flying Buffalo ah, is okay. the longest surviving RPG company, I think even a little bit older than the Chaosium. And obviously, you know, it's not on its fifth edition like TSR is right now. Um, 
And I, I, well, I the, 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 year, the, year is, the year is young. They can run through four or five editions in the next three months. Yeah. You know, like like TSR um, did. Maybe, maybe. But I, I recall reading some time ago that the the peeps behind it were getting old and frankly didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. Um, and they've been bought by Webbed Sphere, and I was going, "Who the hell are Webbed Webbed Sphere?" And then I realised I bought a game off them once. Okay, and are you going to illuminate us as to which game that was? Well, they were, they were, I mean, among other things which they run, Web, Webbed Sphere is a kind of um, holding company for a bunch of other brands, and there's a brand that they have called Toy Vault, which is where I got, in the end, um, a... Uh, a Firefly board game expansion, which was just not available anywhere else. Yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, they're an interesting company. I don't quite know what they're doing or, or really quite what they're going to do with Flying Buffalo, but I thought that was interesting news. And for old hacks like you and I who... Oh, old hacks like me who remember <laughs> Tunnels and Trolls um, I, I, as opposed to... I remember Tunnels and Trolls. I'm not sure I ever played it. No, no, no. You weren't at that. You see, you weren't at our table back then because you were too immature. That's what I was just saying. Oh, like, I did go to that games club in the new dining hall, and I, I, I went to that club for a long time. So, uh, well, it felt to you like a long time, but that's because you were so young. I remember. Um, I think was it Dave Blackman that we sat on top of like ten chairs that had been stacked together and tied his hands behind his back, and the whole thing fell over and broke his face open. <laughs> Ah. Yeah, I don't think I was there that evening. Yeah, you see, you're not, you weren't even at the club, and I was. Yeah, I, so. I was at the club playing games. I wasn't at the club to beat up Dave Blackman. <laughs> I can't remember how that, how it actually happened. I just remember the aftermath where there was quite a lot of blood. He was all right, obviously, but there was quite a lot of blood involved. Apart from his face, obviously. Well, I think his face is all right as well. Apart from being a bit now, bad. this this is the sort of this is the sort of anecdote that's going to get us cancelled. You know, <laughs> what about? accidents right yeah 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 about bullying childhood bullying that's what we're doing unless you're i'm not sure for... it was bullying i don't think it's i don't think it was a bullying incident i think it was all a bit of a laugh that just got out of hand mm. i think at the time dave you should was, ask dave blackman dave about a, that dave though, we? well yeah this is my recollection 40 <laughs> something years on so uh, yeah, yeah he, he might have been having a whirl of a time you know tears <laughs> of laughter rolling down his cheeks <laughs> Yeah, all, those people, Wales we, of all those people we tied up and hanged from, <laughs> out of the window, they were loving it. It was great fun. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. Look, what else do you want to say about this game then, anyway? Quickly. I don't really want to say anything more about that. I just thought that's a bit of news that was cool. interesting. Have you looked um, at it? What's the game about? Sorry, the game? Yeah. Well, it's a game company. Tunnels and Trolls is like a fantasy ripoff of uh, D&D, but with D6. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Like Dungeons and Dragons, but yeah, 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 yeah. different yeah, 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 yeah. names. Sorry. Shall we move on to a game that we do know something about? Confused. And we know <clears throat> quite a lot about it because because your mate, Andrew Gasker, is writing it. He is, yeah. Um, well, you say you know quite a lot about it. Uh, I wouldn't say I know a lot about it other than um, its name, Carbon Grey, uh, that Drew is the lead designer, I think, for it, um, the lead writer for it. And it's on Kickstart currently, and it's it's already achieved its target, and it's probably mm -hmm. got well. By the time this goes out, it's probably got a week left. 
Let me have a little. Has look. it only got a week left? Well, by the, by the time cool. by the time this episode goes out oh, in a yes, week, yes, good point. Yeah, no, it might, have, point, it might only point. have a week left. So I'm, I'm just... not going to put it out till next weekend, am I? No, no, exactly. We um, are recording yeah. a week early for various various reasons. Various reasons. So, yeah. Carbon Grey is based on a manga style comic, yeah. but not proper manga comic because it's not Japanese. It's published in by an American company, Image Comics. Um, and it, but it is of that manga style that um, particularly, uh, I'm thinking um, there's a number of Studio Ghibli movies that kind of take what yeah. has become known as Middle European um, sort of 19th century look. Uh, we're thinking about Kiki's Delivery Service, uh, Porco Rosso, which I obviously is early 20th century because they're all flying around in planes, and it's that sort of thing. So a Middle European alternative first world war i think very steampunky looking or yes maybe even what some people might call diesel punk i yeah, would the, argue not punk at all because well they're, they're describing stops. themselves as a war-torn diesel punk rpg is how they describe themselves in this yeah but how punk are they really well i don't know you know <laughs> Uh, they seem to be talking about an aristocracy, a great family, uh, the Grey family, um, with uh, 12 daughters and then a third one, a 13th one pops up or something in the comic. I, I had a little bit of a, a look on that. Um, and, you know, aristocratic families and punk, they go together like, um, well, they don't, do they? They don't go together at all. But anyway, <laughs> that's me being uh, rude about a comic I've never read. Um, anyway, yeah, it's doing quite well. And we will put a link in the show notes. Um Yes, yeah, so however, it's, it's got from the, from the point of recording, it's got twenty eight days. So from the point of this going out, it'll probably still have the best part of three weeks on the Kickstarter, yeah. and it's already it's already beaten its pledge, um, its target. So it's got twenty six thousand at the moment pounds. So go and check it out. It's got one of the things that's like I I, I think I'm not going to be kicking in on this at all, and one of the reasons why not um, is it's distributed from America and it comes with little figures. And so that turns it from a VAT-free book into, um, you know, all sorts of boxes and stuff. Uh, yeah, significantly expensive to ship at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's not for me. Um, one I'm tempted by, even though I'm convinced it isn't for me, is doing incredibly well on Kickstarter at the moment. And this is like newsworthy well. Yeah, uh, because they are what three or four days into their campaign, they've already got. I, I looked it up just because I wanted to be sure exactly what they got, and they're currently on, uh, twenty almost twenty five thousand. No, sorry, in the last minute since I last looked it up, they got over twenty five thousand backers, backers who have pledged in um, English money, which is what my thing looks at. Looks at that two million. One hundred and sixty-nine thousand six hundred and thirty-nine pounds, which works out to be about three million and twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, well, it's a lot of money for a role-playing game, isn't it? In four days. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, is it Magpie Games? Uh, are the one behind it? Is that right? Sorry? Is it Magpie Games, the one behind it? It's Magpie Games behind yeah. it. And interestingly, uh, obviously this is a license, and I'm sure the license is driving this as opposed to Magpie Games' reputation, which isn't bad. I have an excellent book of theirs, uh, which I want to bring to the table at some point. Uh, another 
powered by the apocalypse game called Cartel, which is um, kind of about Mexican drug cartels. Yeah. Um, which I really, I again, it's not one I actually pledged at the time because, again, coming from the US, I thought I'd wait until somebody else paid for it to get air freighted over here and I'd buy it at my local shop. And I didn't need it that, that keenly. Lovely, simple game, nice playbooks. They know how to do um, Powered by the Apocalypse, in my opinion. I think we do have to be slightly... We have to be clear here. So this this game isn't Avatar. Avatar. This is Avatar Legends, which is so. Somebody just hearing the word Avatar might be thinking, "Yes, James Cameron." You have to distinguish movie. between two different avatars. So this is this is Avatar Legends, which is all about the world of uh, the Last Airbender, Avatar, um, and the Legend of Korra. So it's uh, it's again, it's that kind of, um, sort of anime man- manga feel to it. And it's not blue people running around on a planet being chased by humans pretending to be blue people running around a planet. Yes, it isn't. <laughs> it isn't. It isn't that game by that di- that film by that director. Yeah, James Cameron, wasn't it? Who did that? James Cameron. Thank you yeah. very much. Yeah. Uh, no, this is uh, a Nicola. It's, I mean, again, it's a it's a it's a manga style, but not manga, or it's an anime style, but not anime. In that it was a Nickelodeon production, I think originally. Was it? Okay. So very I, but see, I know I know almost nothing about anime and stuff. So, um, well, that's I, okay. I, this is why I'm filling you in on all I, this popular about culture your stuff that you let knowledge on that. Sweet pie. I mean, I know very little about Avatar, uh, but I do kind of keep track of this sort of nonsense. Um, anyway, um, yeah, it's all about uh, uh, you, people who have got fire, elemental powers: fire, water, air, yeah. and earth. I'm guessing uh, off the top of my head. So you know, it fits very well in the idea of a role-playing game. And as I say, it's by people who are real experts in Powered by the Apocalypse. But I think one of the most interesting things about this is the brand is obviously driving sales, but every other role-playing game that's been earning this sort of money is D&D 5e-based. This is going to introduce a massive audience. And how massive? Uh, Has it gone up to 26,000 now? No, it's still over 25,000. Yeah. But it's going to introduce a massive audience to what might have been known as alternative role-playing systems like Powered by the Apocalypse. So I'm really interested to see how this goes. So so I've just got a question here. Um, Why is this particular IP, why is this particular story and brand being so popular? What is it Well, I think you and I are not millennials and only they can answer this question. Right, okay. I mean, um, we've got... It's it's definitely surprised me how popular this is. Oh, absolutely. I mean... Absolutely. You know, we were celebrating how well um, the 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 last... The One Ring um, did. Yeah. One Ring did from, from, from our favourite company, Free League. Um, and this has just blown past that. Yeah. Um, so it's amazing. And I think, sadly, there's, there's, you and I are the wrong gen- generation yeah. to understand there's, there's the impact a, of Avatar. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a, li- a little bit of me was going to be saying, do we think some of the backers have got a bit confused and they love the Jim Cameron movie and have backed it without really looking at it? <laughs> yeah, they'd have to uh, not have looked at it quite hard to, to have done yes. that. I get, but still, I and mean, frankly, uh, Fern Hollow, the live action, as I like to call um, 
avatar. Uh, I don't think that has this following. I, I think this is a generation of people, millennials, I feel, who have grown up with uh, with Avatar. I don't know when the yeah. original cartoon came out. And uh, this is a fabulous story. And some of the experts among our patrons, like uh, Webb Kolb and like, Thomas. And Andrew and others, yeah. Yeah, you know, they... they 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 know that this is a fabulous thing. They've been recommending me to to watch it, and luckily it's yeah. on. For those of you in the UK, at least it's on Netflix. Uh, it and the other one, Cora, which is a kind of yeah, legend series. legend of Cora, yeah. So um, it's all there to watch. Um, yeah, yeah, we'll watch this with interest, and I am taking bets for how far between. 7 million US dollars and 12 million US dollars it goes for. <laughs> I can't believe it's going to go above 12 million US dollars, but I guess I may be eating my 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 words in a couple of episodes time. Yeah. Well, there's 27 days to go, so when when the when the podcast goes out, there'll be the best part of 3 weeks still to run. And as you said, it's it's still going. I'm looking at it now. It's still going up as I'm looking at it. So back yes, still backing it yeah, as we much. are recording. Um so, I mean, um, for that, what are you going to get? What stretch goals? I mean... Well, now this is the thing that worries me because... Because um, that's going to bring expectations and delivery problems galore, isn't it, is the problem for them. Yeah, I'm praying that... Um, so, Mark Diaz, who I believe is sort of head honcho of Magpie Games, although I think they're more collective-based that, but he's one of the more experienced... Yeah. Um, uh, peeps in um, Magpie Games. He was also involved in John Wick's, at that time, amazingly successful for uh, a Kickstarter for um, for Seventh Sea. Yeah. And as as uh, as the money piled up and the stretch goals were knocked down, they made some what uh, definite what looked at the time like rash decisions. Actually, to some of us. And have proved to be rest decisions about saying, oh, well, we'll do this book, we'll do this book, we'll do this book, we'll do a trailer for a film, we'll do a, a computer game trailer, yes. we'll do yeah, yeah. all sorts of things here. Um, all of which um, I think uh, ate that money up pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. And now John Wicks has been kind of rescued by um, Chaosium to put the last promised books out for that Kickstarter. So I'm praying that Mark Diaz has learned from that and isn't going to overpromise here. Yeah. And one of the real challenges for me and Powered by the Apocalypse is um, I think Powered by the Apocalypse works best when there aren't many words in the rule book. Yeah, you know me. You know how I keep shilling for the Warren. <sighs> yes, and even though I hate the game um, for various reasons that are entirely to do with me and not the game, Monster Hearts, the um, the game of uh, teenage love at school. Yeah, um, which I think my own school experience taint for me. Um, not so much the teenage love side. In fact, the lack of it was probably. That's that's a neat, thin book as well. It doesn't require many words, yeah. and it worries that me that you know one of the easiest ways of um, re, you know doing Kickstarter goals is to say we'll add more words to this, be it monsters yeah. and background and stuff or like that, additional rules and, and stuff. yeah, and and you know cult. For instance, I I really want to love cult, 
and it's a PVTA game, but it's got too many words in it. It's mm. got far too many words for explaining the rules. So, um, yeah, that's my biggest worry for this one. Yeah. Yeah, okay, well, um, interesting. We should watch this space with interest and see what happens with it. See how much money they get uh, and see what those stretch goals are. Um, the, 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 the actual Kickstarter text, I've just squeezed through it to, to get to some stretch goals. Um, it's so long. <laughs> I haven't even bothered <laughs> trying to distill the stretch yeah. goals out of it. It's enormous. So there's a lot of information on there. If you're interested, um, there'll be more than enough information there for you to get your teeth into. It's, in fact, possibly too much. But yeah, okay. Well, um, unless there's anything else to say about that, Matt. I think uh, we should move on. Uh, what else have we got in the in the world of gaming? Um, so, so Modifius have announced they're going to do... I mean, this isn't role-playing games, but um, have announced they're going game. to do a James Bond board game called Spectre, mm. uh, where I think you get to... Uh, you get to play villains uh, in in Spectre. Now, I'm, I'm only really mentioning it because uh, everyone you know, will know how much I know you're a I, fan of James Bond. I love the old Victory Games James Bond um, RPG from from back in the day, and it's uh, it's got a lot of very strong nostalgic memories for me. And yes. uh, not not you know, I I looked at it again the other day just out of interest, and the rules are are quite. They're, they're old school. Yeah, they're not modern rules. And then when they're quite good. When um, by old school you mean bad, don't you? Ah, <laughs> uh, detailed. You mean no, by I mean, old detailed. school you mean lots of tables, don't I you? I think detailed, yeah. And lots of and lots of tables. Um the, mm. the basic idea with it is you have it you have your your chance to succeed and then you have an ease factor for what you're trying to do. And the the higher or lower, I can't remember which way around it is now, the ease factor, the harder it is. And then that, I think mm-hmm. you, I think you multiply your skill by the ease factor to give yourself your success chance. And then it's a, um, uh, percentile game. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you then break that down into basic success, good success, really good success kind of thing, depending on what the total is once you've taken your skill and modified it by the ease factor. And they stick all that mm. in a table, which is actually, it's, it's a lot easier to, to do at the table when you're playing the game than it sounds by me trying to explain it. Yeah, um, I, I but must it admit, is, I'm but sure we, we, we played it and enjoyed it, but you've just totally lost me with all of that. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's a good game, and I got a lot of, a lot of fun memories from it. But So, yeah, I just thought I'd, I'd mention, we don't normally mention board games here, uh, certainly in the world of gaming, but um, an interesting development with um, with Spectre. Uh, for, yeah, this for this board game looks like you're in charge of Spectre. Am I right? And um, and trying to achieve your world domination goals uh, some, without yeah, James I think Bond like things up. Um, I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure. I think you might play um, people in Spectre. Yeah. Rather than oh. It- the head of Spectre so itself. So praying, praying for success rather than getting uh, the button pressed and um, Blofeld uh, feeding you to the sharks, you mean? Um, I, I don't know. That might be in it. So, I, I mean, I don't know much else about it other than the announcement that came out the other day. Um, yeah, but you got very look. excited by that announcement, didn't Here you? Here it says, yeah. The, ca- the catch is you won't, be, you won't be playing 007. Instead, you'll choose between classic Bond villains such as Ernst Stavro Blofeld, Rosa Klebb, yes. And Raoul Silver, 
Mm. So, uh, yeah. Jolly good. I'll play Telly Savalas as Blofeld. As opposed Telly, to Telly Savalas, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Donald Pleasance is Blofeld. Donald Pleasance, I notice, graces the cover with yes. his cat. He does. Uh, looking, I love Donald Pleasance, actually. But, mm. um, right, now, uh, yeah. I think that's the world of gaming, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, I don't think we've got anything else to say this time around. Okay, um, so... Shall we listen to our interview with um, with uh, Eric Grandstrom? Yeah, Forbidden Lands and the Blood March and the Book of Beasts. It's uh, it's a, it's a good good interview, and Eric is a lovely, lovely guy. Oh, isn't he? Isn't he? Though, I mean, I we we say this uh, about so many of our interviewers, and I guess or interviewees, I should say, and I guess partly they're being lovely because um, you know we we're helping them out selling their game but actually they all seem genuinely lovely and eric especially even when i threw him with that well maybe we'll listen to this and uh, talk yeah. about it a little bit afterwards i would just like to clarify my point which is about about loveliness which is everybody is that we, we talk to is lovely uh in one sense or another and i really enjoy talking to them but then relative to them some people are even lovelier right you know, there's, there's a base level of lovely loveliness um, but Eric was one of those that was even lovelier. But yeah, Excellent. Let's, let's, we shall we shall discuss the league table of lovely guests uh, <laughs> after this 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 recording. Eric Grandstrom, you are the author of the forthcoming Blood March uh, supplement for Forbidden Lands. That's about to, well, right now as we're recording this, it's about to be kickstarted. When our listeners are listening to it, it will be in the middle of a Kickstarter. Which we'll put a link to in the show notes, um, and but also, of course, you are the creator of the original Forbidden Lands world, and we've got lots of questions to ask you about that. But our first question that we ask all our guests is: Could you tell us about your life in gaming? Right. Uh, yes, I this I go way back with. I, I'm not really a gamer. I wouldn't call myself a gamer, but I did start gaming role play role plays uh, in the, uh, I believe, end late 70s or early 80s with Dungeons and Dragons, the first edition. Right. So we had these that three, makes three, you kind of unusual for a Swede, if I may say so. Yeah, it, it was actually imported by a friend of mine from the US, I suppose. And it was utterly unknown in Sweden at the time. Mm -hmm. So it well, we had these uh, old supplements, uh, a chain mail and mm -hmm. uh, the gray something, right? A uh, Greyhawk. Yeah. Yes. So uh, very first edition, and I got really hooked into that. So we, we played for, uh, I played for a couple of years, and then I became a game master and made my own world. And then it came to Sweden several years later as Drakar och Demoner, which is yeah. dragons and demons, right? Which is mostly like RuneQuest, I believe. Yeah. Which I never played. Uh, so then I had material lying around. So I, and a friend of mine, one of my players actually, was writing for, for the company making Drakkar de Morning in Sweden. So I contacted them and asked them, you know, I have some stuff here if you're interested. And I then talked to Anders Blixt. Uh, mm -hmm. Ah, yes. So we've had on the show. Already, yeah. So I sent him, and he said, okay, sure, uh, just write down a synopsis. And I, that's, I did that. And uh, he liked it. And then I just got around to writing it. And this was in 1986. Mm -hmm. And then they published this... Um, adventure called Svavelwinter, which is uh, the winter of sulfur in English. 
mm. and uh, that was in 1987. So, uh, and mm. it, you know, I sort of made it from just shot for, shooting from the hip. But then I thought, oh, you, you could go on. So I, I made a, a series of, of adventures connecting, so, which is known as the Fifth Conflux uh, series now. And it's mm-hmm. kind of, I think it, I, I might call it a classic here in Sweden, I think, because it was kind of a, one of the first where you could walk around in any direction, do whatever you like, basically. A sandbox uh, campaign. A sandbox. <clears throat> Before that, it was ra- railed, you know, yeah. most mm-hmm. adventures. This was early on. So... Uh, yeah, I did that most. It, there was no internet at the time, so mm-hmm. I did this out. You know, I didn't know what happened to it. And then uh, I got a job and I got kids, and etc. And uh, when I was about to write the last part of that game, um, that, that series of adventures, I s- said, you know, I don't know if I have the time to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And then I got lists, people writing down lists for me. We demand that this is finished. <laughs> I got that. <laughs> Excellent. Hundred and two thousand names. Wow. Oh, wow. And that really moved me. And and uh, you know, I was inspired by it. So I I, I did uh, complete the, the series, which I'm very grateful for now, of course. Mm-hmm. So um and, and then um, I got caught up in, in children and work and all that and housing. So um, but then I started writing a novel. On the same in the same setting, Saul Winter later in in the, in the nineties, and that became four pretty thick novels as well. And then they made a game from that, <laughs> which <laughs> yes. is Free League's first game called Svavel Winter from the first mm. adventure in that series. So it's it's kind of it never left me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's talk about your novel writing though, because you are quite an established uh, author in Swedish of fantasy novels. How many was it just those four that quartet, or have you written more? Well, I, I actually wrote a novel in 1980 already before the these uh, mm. RPGs. So I was kind of uh, so. So when I wrote the RPGs, I put into my into my uh, contract that I was allowed to use this in novels if I wanted to, right? Which was good. Turned out. Plan. <laughs> So I had already published a sort of novel which is more like mutant. I think it's more like a modern nightmare. Mm, right. Somebody disappears into a, a big store where there are no exits. It's, it's a landscape, a store size of a landscape. Mm. So, so that's a kind of fantasy-ish as well. So I write that one, and then I wrote these four ones, uh, which took me several years actually, and. Uh, I wrote another one that I didn't get published, which is the way it is. And uh, now I just started a new novel that I plan to make into series uh, set in the Forbidden Land setting. Uh, oh, yeah. great. Nice. Yeah. So, so that's what I'm working on right now. Okay. So now I'm assuming none of those novels have been translated into English. No, not yet. I hope they will someday, but they are you translated. Did send us your, your agent's um, sort of press pack, which... Is that, is, yeah. that trying to, is that what she's sending out to publishers, trying to get English publishers yeah, into it? Uh, yes, that, yeah, it, it, that was actually written before the last novel in the series was, was published. So it's, it's some years old now. But uh, they are translated into Danish. Mm, in mm. Danish well. The third book of the four is now coming out in Danish. I published two already. So. Yeah. Right. So I think Swedish is hard enough. Uh, so Dave, Dave has a Swedish wife. Um, so you know a little bit of Swedish, but not but you much. Don't know any Danish, do you, Dave? I don't know any Danish, no. Uh, and I, I should know a lot more Swedish than I do, having been <laughs> with her for 15 years. Um, 
sadly, the only words she ever taught me were rude ones. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't use those. I don't use those. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then she told me off for using them. Okay. So we were at we were at um, Elizabeth in Gothenburg, which is a, a great big theme park, and we're on one of those big ride. The big ride that takes you up is called Atmosphere. Yeah. And it takes you like 200 meters up, then it drops you. And right. we both hated it. And as we were coming down, I was swearing copiously in Swedish. And she was going, shut up, shut up, stop it, shut up. Anyway, sorry. But that, that's the extent um, of my language. <laughs> talking of language, though, I remember hearing that the world of Svavel Winter and the novels are very much sort of playful with the Swedish language. There's lots of... Yes. Uh, mm. Yeah. I, I like language as such. So it's... it's uh, those uh, those parts are of course hard to translate. I, I assume. Mm. I, I, I don't mm, know possibly, Danish yeah. good enough to 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 say whether whether they catch whether the Danish translations. Are but Danish and Swedish are pretty much uh, not so far apart. So hopefully, mm. but it seems to be yeah. But but one one thing with writing a novel now in the Forbidden Land setting is of course uh, it would be nice to have those translated at some point. Mm. Of course, the game is translated into I think right now into eight languages mm. eight. it's doing really well yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so that, that's one thought of course mm. so we might our first experience of your actual novel writing might be this yeah I'm, I, I, i'll just have to write it first though <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but i have started <laughs> it's like yeah what are you doing wasting time talking to us then eric go on get writing <laughs> i'm writing <simultaneously. laughs> Now, as you pointed out, um, Svavel Winter, the novel, came out of Svavel Winter, the D&D campaign that you'd written. Yeah. But then uh, Free League published a game based on that world, yeah. which we in England may have seen. There's, there's, a, there's a quick start version of that in English floating yeah. around. Yeah. We'll try and find a link to it and put that in the show notes if we can. Yeah. Um, I think it's somewhere deep on the free league store. Very right, difficult yeah. to find. <laughs> um, but, um, and it's free, I should say. Um, how did that come about? Did Thomas approach you saying, can I write a new system for this? Or, or No, no. What happened was that my, the first novel in the series was published by a gaming company that also published books. Mm -hmm. okay. But then they shut down, not because they were doing bad, but because the, 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 the CEO had another company with 25 people hired. So you had to do that instead. And mm. uh, Free League at the time was more of an, a group of people, you know, testing games and writing stuff for uh, the Iron Ring, it was called. Mm. Yeah. The, the, the people behind Simbaru. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so so when, when they shut down, then uh, Free League just took it over. And the, the game was already planned at the time. And right. I had a second novel already written, but then I was looking for, actually, I was approached by other publishers, so I got a publisher pretty fast for that one. Mm -hmm. But Free Leagues uh, took the game and, and completed it, and we, we worked a lot together uh, because they made all the maps. For we used those in the, in the novels. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask. They, were you, they were could you... use quotes from the novels and so on. So we, we had a good, a good working together there. I was going to ask where you deeply involved in the development of the game yes i didn't write it but i was i, write, I wrote some stuff there and i had got to look at everything since it's, it's it's kind of a elaborate world that i was very much into so they asked yeah. me to check it out you know so it, it was it's, it's a renaissance world actually based mm. on about the year 1500 in in italy mostly 
Okay. So it's more like a lot of, uh, um, you know, uh, try to cross economy and you try to cross your the other ones and the diplomas and stuff like that. So. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah. So, um, and, and gunpowder, right, as a technology? The thing is, in, in the novels, they, they just found out about gunpowder, but they can't use it in weapons. They can only blow things up so far. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. So they just discovered it. <laughs> cool. Excellent. Um, now, uh, obviously, that, that was a good working relationship because some years later on, Freely came to you and asked you to write the setting for Forbidden Lands. Right. And of course, that was inspired by all the old 1980s illustrations um, that had been created, I guess, for Drakkar, Octimona, and and other yeah. other magazines and things at the time. So very um, very generic fantasy. Yeah, there's, there's an art, the artist Neil Skullikson. Yeah, mm. uh, he was uh, the main uh, illustrator for for these old games, Drakkar, Demona in Swedish, and he's very well known in Sweden as you know. Nostalgia wise, so mm-hmm. so and Free League uh, published uh, an art book with his stuff mm-hmm. some years ago, and this game uh, Forbidden Lands was actually a stretch goals to that art book, mm. <laughs> and, then, and then they finally got around. To, okay, let's do this now. So they contacted me since I'm an old relic in these fields, and, <sighs> and they want to you know the nostalgic feeling. So which mm. is why they contacted me, I suppose. <laughs> and uh, and what I, so I got all the material from Niels Gullikson's art, and they said, "Here, do make a, a game with these specifications around these drawings. You can do whatever you like with them, but they have to be there." So so I had these elves and dwarves and halflings and all the other stuff, and uh, I just had to use them, but I could do basically whatever I wanted. So so mm-hmm. I, I I made sure to make twists on these old the kins. And so we, lo- we, I think Dave and I both love these twists. You know, you mm. take something very generic and what looks at first glance like a typical fantasy yeah. world with elves and halflings and things like that. And then you do little things that turn certain expectations on their heads. Again, I don't want to reveal too much in case people are listening who haven't played Forbidden Lands, but it's great. It, mm. it looks like a cliche to begin with, but the more you read it, the more you realize how <laughs> different it is. I, I did want to ask, do you have a, partic- a particular favorite um, little twist in among all those? Yeah, without spoiling, it's, it's kind of hard. But I, I like <laughs> the, the halflings, I think, have become very popular because they are, as you know from Tolkien, halflings are very jolly and friendly and they eat a lot and they have parties and sing. And all that is just a facade, of course, in the game. If you play <laughs> yeah. the game, you know what they really are. So <laughs> I like that twist. And I think people like to play that twist as well. So No, I, yeah. I think you're right. That's probably one of my favorites. <laughs> right. And, and also to me, as, as constru- constructing this game, I have to have something new to work with to make it interesting for me as well. Yes. yes. Yeah, so, obviously. Yeah. So that was also an important thing for me. No, no yeah. I can understand it. It's You're not just regurgitating the old cliched stuff. No, because that no, that, that's not interesting really. So. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think one of the great things about Forbidden Lands is it feels familiar and old and nostalgic, but at the same time, new and different. And, you know, uh, like you're, you're uncovering new ground with it. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what of, I hear. I, and, you know, when I wrote the setting and also the Raven's Purge campaign, there were mm, no rules. Mm, yeah. I knew they, they would use uh, the, the, the year, zero system. year zero engine, but I didn't know the rules. There were no rules. So, mm. so, but I think they, they got the rules really 
they fit together very well with the setting. I understand. I'm not a rules person, but <laughs> that's also yes, nice. So we, we, we want this old and new thing. Absolutely. Yeah, I think as as playing it, I think you're right, um, Dave. Do you you think the rules and the setting go well together as a player? I think it works brilliantly, and. Um, <laughs> What, I mean, one area we haven't really got very much into, but I think it works particularly well, is the whole magic side of it. I think that works really mm. nicely. And it's it, 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 it takes you away from the D&D. You've got a bunch of spells, you just fire them off, and then you know you have yeah. to go and remember them again. Yeah, it no. brings a real element of risk and a real element of unpredictability into yeah. it, which I think I love that. I, I, I was thinking a lot, you know, I was thinking... Witcher three when I wrote when I thought mm. about magic in Forbidden Lands like it's something you do some when you have to but you don't really like it yourself yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah it's far too dangerous, <laughs> it's too dangerous. Yeah. I remember too the, often, pretty yeah. much the first game that we ran Dave at Dragon Meet at that convention where yeah <laughs> one person did one thing she cast one spell. Uh, she fumbled and rolled a 66 and got taken <laughs> away by a demon. And that's the only thing. <laughs> yeah. And that was her involvement done. It was, yeah. Yeah. It was it. a knockout game, though. Um, so yeah. it, was, it was fine. She wasn't expecting it to last long. Um, but uh, now, yes, this is a shared world, though, because obviously Magnus, who we've also had on the show, mm. has written The Bitter Reach. How did you feel about another writer coming in and taking a world you'd created? And <laughs> I, I, feel, I, I feel totally fine with that. Magnus and I are old friends. Mm. No problem at all. We, I, I really like that he did that. And he, he was consulting me and I was giving opinions. I don't nice. know if he wanted them, but I was giving them anyway. And, <laughs> did, he, uh, did he include them, though? That's the question. <laughs> I, think, I think some of them. <laughs> so uh, we, absolutely no problem. Magnus is a great guy, too. So. Mm. And, and he knows what he's doing. So I had no problem with that. So uh, I was actually sort of planning if I, we didn't know how, how the first uh, installment would work, you know, but, but since uh, it, it became pretty popular, I was planning to do as lean as this one coming now to the mm. West and also all the land to the South, which is I hope to do next. And then there are of course other directions. And I, I was hoping all the time that other people would do those. So uh, we can, patch this world together oh that's you, great so you, you already but you've bagsied Asleen, which we're going to talk about shortly yeah yeah and alderland which is to the south the that, land to the south where most of the humans in the forbidden lands have come from, from in the first place yeah very interesting yeah uh, well, I, i'm gonna to have to ask you an extra question about that towards the end of the interview but let's okay. let's focus now on Asleen and on the blood march as mm. the new campaign is being called yeah um Obviously, it's going to be hard here because we know nothing about it. The Kickstarter hasn't even happened yet. I can't tell you. <laughs> yeah, we don't want you to spoil yeah. it for players. Yeah, so we know nothing about it. Eric can't say anything about it. So this is, a, this is the best interview ever, isn't it? We're gonna... uh, yeah. But uh, we're we're going to wheedle something out of Eric. Uh, <laughs> tell, us, tell us about Asleen. Tell us what's new in Asleen. Tell us what you can, yes. Yeah, but what you know in... Uh, in uh, when you played the first installment of Forbidden Lands, you had people coming from Asleen, so you know a little about them. They were horse people, two different clans that didn't like each other, and they came through this Shadowgate Pass, uh, uh, fleeing from demons that had been released into Asleen by mm. Psygopher, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's all common knowledge. Yeah, that's common knowledge, of course. So, so I had to build on that, obviously. 
And then my thinking was, now that, that the Ravens purge was over, uh, the, the Shadowgate Pass opens. And what do we find there? So you start mm. probably when you play as Lean, you will start by going through the Shadowgate Pass. And then on the other side, this, uh, this a village of uh, uh, settlers, you know, it, it's, it's very new. I, I used the Deadwood setting, actually, to put that. Okay. Right. The, the Western series. Dave and I yeah. are big Deadwood fans. So yeah, yeah, me too. I, I, I binge-watched the whole thing when I was in the hospital once, so I like it very mm-hmm. much. So I, I actually, if you, if you look at it's called, what's it called? It's called Tergil in, in uh, English. That the first place where you probably will start. Right. You don't have to start there, but it's a good starting point. That, that's what we suggest. And Targill is, is, if you look at the map, it's actually similar to Deadwood's map, if you look right, at it. Okay. Right, okay. <laughs> and I like to do stuff like that. <laughs> Excellent. Is, this, is the saloon called The Gem? And there's a guy called <laughs> right. uh, Al running it. And... <clears throat> no, so so you, you will probably start there as people coming from Ray, Raymondland or from Alderland. Mm. Right, and and you have different things you can start out doing if you like, or come up with something on your own, and uh, or you can be native, of course. But then you have to do some uh, twists. Well, that's mm-hmm. a question I was going to ask. Is given that everybody left, or not every? Did everybody come mm-hmm. guiding out of Asleen when the demons took over? No, no, are there no. any? Well, there, what you will find there are five horse clans. Mm-hmm. And only two left, and not all of them either. So, uh, one one thing you can do, you can come back as an as an Aslin horse person that has been away for three hundred years. Not you, obviously, but your forefather. <laughs> yeah. And you try to come back to to, to reclaim your, your clan, but they don't really. They think you 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 left them there, and you you're a coward, basically. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's just one complication you can play yeah. if you like, Excellent. or you can you can lead some some settlers back and we will reclaim our land now and build new villages. So yeah, you have lots of options actually. So there's and a little bit of a sort of colonial still. feel then of people heading west, literally in this yeah. game yeah. Uh, to, to take land that they feel they have a um, manifest destiny to, to, to civilize. Yeah. People are already there and they might not agree. <laughs> yeah. Well, it turned out there were people already, of course, in yeah, America as well. Right? Same, same old story, and right? <laughs> they didn't tend to agree either. No, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's really intriguing. Yeah. Uh, I'm quite excited by that. Um, so is, is much of the land then going to be still patrolled by Zygophus minions and the demons, or is this telling us too much potentially? Well, no, I don't think it's telling you too much. The thing is, Zygophus sent demons there just to get rid of them f- for some time while he was <laughs> trying to patch up the, the passages between the worlds. So he doesn't really, he never controlled those demons. Yeah. Right. So just they got went rid of in them. there and, and made what demons uh... do. And then they, he, he betrayed them. Zygophus betrayed them. So they don't like him either. Mm. And some. Some just decide, okay, this is a nice place. We can stay here and do our demon thing here. <laughs> or some died because he cut off their supply to their home worlds. So, mm. so the demons here are not really uh, minions of Sigafer at all. They don't mm-hmm. know him. Right. Nice. Some might, might, might. Yeah. Not all at all. Not at all. Which uh, is interesting, it, of course, because then however the Raven's Purge campaign played out in individual tables, mm. worlds, 
you doesn't can, really yeah. have much of an impact on what goes on in the blood market. Yeah, you can you can do your changes there. So yeah, Brilliant. and the Rust Church, you know, the religions from yeah. from Ravenland and all the land are having interests in in Asli now. That is opening up. They are thinking, ah, uh, we should dominate that as well. Of course, mm. cool. But but Asleen is very much again. It's it's not a uh, like a centralized society. It's no, not at all. Very it's, uh, broken the, these white horse clans, they they claim the the fee, the the level. What do you call the, the steps? Steps. Yeah, yeah. But there are other people as well that that don't like these horse people, and there are other beings, of course, dwarves and elves and so on. <laughs> so there are Talking there are other beings. No, no central power at all. No. Are, are there new playable kin in in? This uh, <laughs> yes, in a way, not that uh, there, there are. The old kings with a twist, I would say. For instance, right. the dwarves have horns. Okay. Ooh. And they consider hornless dwarves to be uh, very much inferior. Oh, cool. I like that. Oh, that's a lovely <laughs> idea. And then there are a mixed breed. The, the, the people that, who were there before the horse clans came, because they weren't originating there, uh, those are half orcs. They are, they, they are mixing with the orcs. Mm-hmm. So and I suppose you can play that as a kin. I don't know mm. if it's in, in the rules, but that shouldn't be a problem. Mm. Interesting. And um, are you aware of any new professions in the rules? I, 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 we talked about this and I said, I don't really have the need for any professions. There are, uh, I don't know what they would call it. There will be some new, uh, probably some new magic schools. Yeah, talents. Do, like I believe, at, at least as stretch goals. And there will be... Uh, for instance, I had this uh, question in Ravenland. Somebody was playing a necromancer, and mm. they wanted a teacher. And they said, "Well, every necromancer, they are living in 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 marshes or on high cliffs, and nobody wants them, and they just stay away. So I can't get a teacher. Are there no uh, uh, socially acceptable necromancers around? <laughs> it should be really. So I, I invented an order of of necromancers that serve people in a way." Sort of, mm-hmm. okay. And you can make that if you like. Into I don't know if they will make that into a, a profession, into a profession, but it mm. could be made into a profession. So there are I several interest groups. I like I like the idea of that. That's a, yeah. yeah. And, and actually, the I'm writing now this novel in in uh, in these lands, and the protagonist is one of those necromancers, mm. a woman that did don't she doesn't really want to be that, but she has to. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, if it's not already in the in the planned book, then given this is going out halfway through the campaign, obviously it's up to the backers to give freely so much money. They have to make their profession. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a lot of potential in the in this. Mm. And yes, also, given given know, so many dead, so much of the dead in in the bitter in in, in the forbidden lands themselves. Yeah. Um, so, so obviously you do need to have a somebody a bit skilled in in yeah shepherding them around and making them useful. From Ravenland, making them useful. Yeah, people who die in Ravenland don't o- always die; they walk around. <laughs> and and these ne- necromancers, they take care of those restless dead. Yeah, sort of try to see what what is wrong. You know, what what do we have to do so you can lie down and actually die. And perhaps yeah. they have to revenge. And then the necromancer, okay, I'll take that as my quest. I will have to do that for you. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And, and, so it's this pretty neat. Uh, I like oh, that. That, that sounds really good. Yeah. And I like that. Again, nice twist on 
of the old necromancer profession. <laughs> and, and also, you know, when I when I did this new expansion, I was uh, really trying to do to to continue. You should feel familiar, but then there's a twist that yeah. I didn't expect this one, this coming. And also to the world. So, for instance, the religions are pretty much set in Ravenland. As you know, you have this Raven God, and you have the Snake God, and you have Rust. And, uh, all that suddenly gets a little... Uh, well, perhaps the story wasn't what we thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> I've this, always felt there was an unreliable narrator. to the background as well. Excellent. Um, now, actually... I know Dave's too shy to ask this question, but he really wants to know as a player because he doesn't think there's enough treasure <laughs> in, okay. in, in either the Bitter Reach or the Forbidden Lands. Well, that, so also, is there going and, to be more treasure? And also, Matthew as a GM is too stingy to make up more treasure. Right. I'm only doing what the book tells me. You know, there's, there's also coming a beast manual yep. simultaneously mm. at, to this campaign. And I understand when I read about that, I didn't know that, but it says there that you will also have treasure from each beast. Suggestion. Mm. Yeah. Perhaps yeah. I, I was Monster. something I shouldn't know, but because I've, <laughs> seen, I've seen the mark yes. on the Kickstarter, actually. <laughs> Good. Excellent. I'm glad somebody has. Yeah. So, so I, I believe that you at least will have more treasure, potential treasure from creatures, at least. Brilliant. There you go, so Dave. You've just got so to be a monster be a, hunter. Right. Kind of a monster hunting side too. Well, for yeah. me as a constructor, I only need the rumor of treasure and whether it's there or not. It's not <laughs> that's not my problem. <laughs> yeah, no, I keep giving him rumors of treasure, but he'd be disappointed when that turns that's out to be the, 12 silver pieces. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. See, see, we're trying to trying to make our stronghold and, and put it, we've got enough money to hire one guard for one week. That's it. So uh, we're well, a long way not, not much to steal them. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. Yeah, we don't even need a guard, do we? Actually, they, they, they took to my say. potato. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the bestiary is coming yes. out alongside the uh, Blood March campaign book, but yeah. you, you're, from what you've said, you're not having quite as much input in that. This is not a creation of yours. No, I, I've heard about it for some time, and we discussed which creatures to include. And I, mm. I don't remember any, but I think I wrote small, some small passages and I, I've been involved, but not. I haven't written it. I haven't been the driving writer sort of behind it. Mm. Right. Like the campaign I, I have written, basically, and then they will edit and change it, of course. But, uh, but the, the Beast Manual, I, I was more involved from the side. Brilliant. Right. Okay. Really so I won't ask you any questions about that. As but I say, but, I but, but presumably, though, on, before you move, but on that, presumably they're bringing into that manual a lot of the creations that you've had previously so there's a lot of your ideas from uh yeah, but I mean, from it, previous it, it, all the monsters there are new i think so there's oh, not oh, okay yeah but and also what we discussed a lot was this monster is i i, I want this one in asleep do we put it in the master manual or do we put it only in the and that depends if it's very yeah. local it's, it's obviously in the in the campaign otherwise if it's a more general monster so I'm using some of the the monsters from the Beast Manual in the campaign as well because mm, we, yeah. we didn't want to double it. So that we discussed yeah. that, you know, do, where do we put this one? Mm. Right. Now that is interesting. So there will be some monsters exclusive to the campaign book. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but others that you refer to that are also in the in the bestiary. In the, the me, I didn't get that. Yeah. So and so other ones that are referred to in the campaign. People yes. will find their stats in yeah. the best. Or will be in the Book of Beasts. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. But mostly those in Asleen are 
connected to the setting there. There's a demon infected the woods. Yes. So, mm. so, so the more general ones are in the beast. It's better to put them in, into the beast manual. Mm. Yeah, yes. Now, I wanted to ask about, uh, and this is looking into the future. So, again, you know, no spoilers, but <laughs> what are your plans for Down South? What's yeah. been happening in Alderland? What uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to put my teeth into that one because uh, it will sort of connect the other two lands. Mm. Both, both uh, Asleen and Ravenland have an extensive history with Alderland, not very friendly one. Yeah. And uh, that will uh, probably turn into something nasty in the in the third part here down there. Right. But one thing that players have um, felt missing from the Forbidden Lands, and I guess the Bitter Reach. And I wonder whether we won't see it in in the Blood March, but we might see it down south in Alderland. Is the idea of a city? Yeah. The, the, and, the, the, I was just wondering whether Alderland might be more about more. Yeah, Alderland would be more civilized. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, Asleen will be probably less civilized than Ravenland, even mm. because mm. these the the horse people are nomads, so they don't. Yes, they move the tents. Yeah. So so, but uh, uh, Alderland more civilized, absolutely. The the problem is if you want to have a city, it takes up a lot of space in the campaign. So yes. We are planning beyond all the land, perhaps to have a bigger city as one as a single single uh, campaign, which is which will probably be the the capital of all the land. Brilliant! Yeah. So this is great because I'm sure now you are verging into territory that Thomas doesn't want you to talk about. But we've got you <laughs> and we're going to put it on the podcast, whether you say it or not. But right. I won't. I won't make. I won't make you say any more. I think that's enough of a scoop, don't you, Dave? <laughs> no, we don't want to upset all our interviewees now, do we? So, uh, <laughs> no. brilliant. Now that's really good news, though, because I think mm. you know that's what a lot of people who play in the world of Forbidden Lands have been asking for. So it's good to know it's on the way, uh, but it's uh, also good to know it's not in in the West. No, it's not in Italy. And so I suppose somebody, not necessarily Free League, could make a city which you could place anywhere. Yes. Of course, yes. I'm surprised that nobody has mm. done that, actually, because... Mm. But city creations are hard work. We normally yeah, like other yeah, people yeah. to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Brilliant. Um, I think, have we come to the end of our list of questions? I think we probably have. Um <laughs> I, I guess the, the one the one question. So the 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 works that you're writing, the novels that you're going to be writing in the Forbidden Land world, we, we might have touched on this a bit earlier. Um, is there a, a plan or a hope or an intention that they'll get translated into the wider languages that Forbidden Lands has? Yeah, I mean, so for me, it's it's definitely a hope. Absolutely. Expect to see it in English at some point because that would be really, very so. cool. I hope so. Yeah, we have been discussing yeah. how to do this. I mean, who, right. who publishes what and who. So mm. what I want to do is to make the novels pretty independent from the game, yeah. <laughs> like I did with Small Winter. I took the game as uh, this is a bank of ideas. Yeah. But I told myself, you don't have to be faithful to the game at all. You can do whatever you like, because it's, it's, it's a very much different thing to write a novel. Mm. Uh, so I, hope, I hope it will work out very well. And I, I will, of course, include elements from the game a lot. Actually, it's several persons that are in Raven's Purge are already in, now into the novel. It's into the novels. Like Merigal, everybody loves Merigal, so he has mm. to be there, of course. 
<laughs> so are, are you effectively get uh becoming the or you are the 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 guru of the canon for forbidden <laughs> lands what you say what you say goes and if it's uh, uh, I mean, it's not it's free leagues game of course mm. so but in the I, I expect to in the novels to follow my own head of course but it's it's in everybody's interest that it fits together with the game it's so I, yeah. I don't see a conflict at all there but we we talk about things if, we, if something comes up we discuss it and we we come to solutions not not nothing strange with that <laughs> cool because we've had a lot of fun with alien and canon <laughs> over the last year or two <laughs> oh, I see. yeah i haven't been around with that i've seen the alien yeah. movies at this <clears throat> yeah no yeah i think we, we'll 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 work it out I, i'm yeah i'm confident so. that's that's brilliant yeah. well thank you very much for making the time eric and it's yes, a short you. notice because this kickstarter caught us all by surprise <laughs> it surprised uh, me as well <laughs> <laughs> it was an honor to be on your podcast but it, no, no, well, we'd you. love to have you back again definitely definitely when you, we're talking that's about all and if not before we'll 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 bring you back onto the show it's been a real pleasure talking it to has you. been great yes thank you. nice to talk to you too so um at the time of recording, we have 20 days left on the Kickstarter for this. And um, so obviously when you're hearing this, there's going to be a couple of weeks, just under probably, if you are interested yeah. to go and back it. Um, I and you should. You, yeah, I mean, I you haven't, haven't backed it yet. No, well, I haven't backed it yet. You haven't, Dave? Partly because Get I've off been... this podcast. Get out. Partly Get out because... of the podcast. Well, partly because I've been way too busy with UK Games Expo and cricket and everything else. I haven't even put in my... Yeah, I won't. Anyway, I've, I've done bugger all except those things lately. Secondly, I will get it, but there's a bit of me that is sad or feels a bit sad that it's going to join, it's going to join Bitter Reach on my shelf and it'll sit ah. there gathering dust for some time before. Well, we I'll get tell a you what you could do. Of course, although this is a joint Kickstarter, one of the things I like about it is that there are two reward levels that feature just one of the books. Oh, okay. So for 298 um, Swedish kroner, you get the Blood March in print. Or for 298 kroner, you get the Book of Beasts in print. And I would suggest to you that you really need the Book of Beasts to turn the two books of the original box set into the three books yeah, that are the archetypal thing. Uh, you might not comment. need the Blood March. No, but I think that's really, you know, I think that's a really imaginative way of doing it. And you know, and for seven hundred and ninety-eight, you can have the whole thing with with you know, with the box set and stuff like that as well. Uh, I'm going to go for two because actually, I think I'm more excited by this campaign, the Blood March, than I than I was by the Bitter Reach. You know, we're oh. playing so slowly that Bitter Reach is going to uh, be heard on this podcast. Um, you know, when when most of our podcast listeners are dead and gone, but. Um, <laughs> But it will get played. It will get played. But, you know, I think I might be playing the Blood March before we get to the Bitter Reach. Okay. Yeah. Just saying. Oh, I think you're absolutely That's quite a nice little idea. Um, okay. Okay, well, I'll let you ponder that. We don't need to. I was just about to, um, to back it, but I haven't logged in and stuff. So I'll, I'll do it after the show. One thing I did like to, I was going to mention, um, just having a quick look at these. The if if the if the um the, the the pledge has been met if the if the project has been backed they always put a backed in funded in however many minutes and yeah. it's it's always interesting to see like carbon grey good on them they uh, funded in twenty four hours 
Um, cool. Looking at, looking at this one, but well, that was really cool. Looking at this one, funded in eight minutes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Their their level was half the money that um, that Carbon Grey was after, but but still, that's that's pretty good it's going. Still, it's still pretty good, although um, you know, uh, I think we all have to bow our heads to the Avatar Kickstarter now. Of course, that is yeah. the one to beat. <laughs> yeah, I don't know um, how quickly that was funded. Yeah. No, but I think I, I listened a little bit to the um, to the thing on the Free League YouTube channel when they were talking about it, and I think Thomas said it's already more popular than the Bitter Reach. So, uh, or oh, the, the Bitter Reach blood, was Blood March. Well, yeah, this this Kickstarter has yeah, had more support cool. than the Bitter nice. Reach already, so nice. that's nice. I mean, um, it's quite yeah. interesting, isn't it? That they're, they're now doing a um, uh, a beastery. When we had our friends Mike and um, Chris from Trilemma on talking about their, um, what do they call it? Yes. I've got, a, I've got a yes. thing here. Ser- servants the Servants of, of memory. memory. Yeah. Which is actually really good. And I like it very much. You kind of wonder um, how much sort of crossover or duplication there might end up being. Because obviously, I mean, the, the Servants of, um, uh, of Memory is doing lots of stuff that would be, you would expect, you know, hulking lavas and gorgons mm. and drakes and that kind of, you know, wolves and things. Um, it's going to be interesting to compare and contrast. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. But, yeah, interesting, you know, interesting that um, talking about a lot of the stuff, that some of the stuff in there isn't, is, well, some of it will be from, from Eric's original writing, but um, a lot more will be, new to this particular setting. Um, so it's a, yeah, it's a really good interview. So if you haven't backed it yet, like me, um, you've still got about two weeks to do that. So uh, have mm. a look. And uh, I'm going to say you've still got a week to do that and any extra days they get will be a bonus on that. Uh, yeah. Let's get the urgency in there. We don't want to say two weeks and we're only offering them 11 days. <laughs> true, true. True. But uh, yes, uh, just back to your point before the interview. Yes, he is lovely and possibly the loveliest guest. But I am not going to pick between my guests, and I don't think you should. <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to. Um, they're all lovely. I haven't had a person on who hasn't been a real pleasure and a delight to talk to. And the one, um, the one, the one thing we didn't do, though, which has become a bit of a thing of ours lately, was get Eric to um mm. to give us the sign off for the show so we're going to have to do it for him aren't we yeah you're gonna have to do it because you're the one that forgot to ask him okay well that's and probably i enough. did it last week that's probably enough for today everyone um i hope you have a good couple of weeks and it's a goodbye from me and it's goodbye from him and may the icons bless your adventures You have been listening to The Effect Podcast, presented by Fiction Suit and the RPG Gods. Music, stars on a black sea, used with permission of Free League Publishing.